Hi everyone, welcome to episode 5 of Get Set CISSP. Today I will talk about security roles and responsibilities, control frameworks, due care and due diligence, policies, standards, procedures, guidelines and baselines, and some insight into threat modeling. Security role is the part that an individual plays in an organization. Each role shares some responsibilities. After all, cybersecurity requires complex approach from professionals working in the field. A familiarity to the responsibilities assigned to these roles helps in establishing communication and support. This structure of well-defined roles and responsibilities in an organization also helps in security policy enforcement. There are several types of roles which may change as per the organizational requirements. But let's look into some standard roles in order of appearance in a secure environment. The person who is ultimately responsible for security to be maintained in an organization is the senior management. They must sign off and agree on all security policies since no matter how good the policy, it cannot be effective until the senior management endorses it. Endorsement of security policy indicates the accepted ownership of the policy. What it means is the senior management will be held liable for the success and failure of the security policy and the solutions implemented under the policy. And they will also be held liable for all of the due care and due diligence required for the security policy. Now since the senior management do not have the responsibility to develop the actual policy, this task and the correct implementation of the policy is carried out by security professionals, which are experienced security officers who are responsible for following the directives mandated by the senior management. Security professionals have functional responsibility of security management. This includes writing and implementing security policies, performing risk assessments, understanding gaps and controls, and maintaining a holistic security hygiene. Security professionals appoint data owners who is responsible for classifying the information and protecting it in a secure solution. Typically, it is a manager who is responsible for protecting the data inside a system. The data owner usually delegates the responsibility of actual data management to a data custodian. A data custodian is responsible for implementing protection mechanism on the data as per the security policy and the senior management's direction. Data custodian performs all of the activities to provide adequate protection to the CIA triad of the information. These activities could include testing, backup, validation, integrity checks, and deploying solution to keep the information available. Finally, any person who can access the secured system and secured information and can operate over it is called the user. Only enough access to the information is granted to a user to allow them to perform their daily task with least privilege. In other words, the user only operates within the defined parameter of the security and is responsible to understand and uphold the security policy. The role which has even less privileges than the user is called the auditor, who is responsible for reviewing and verifying that the security policy is properly implemented and the delivered security solutions are adequate enough. The auditor role may be assigned to a trained professional who can produce compliance and performance report for the senior management to review it. So from the role which is ultimately responsible for the security in an organization and the role which has the least privilege, we have covered almost all of these standard roles in a secure system. Along with the roles and responsibilities, an organization also needs a controlled framework. In a control framework, the planning of security must start with planning to plan. 
the planning of security plan is equally important as the security plan itself well that sounds a little bit too planned but what i mean is planning the information security management program is much more important in the early stage of the security plan development the next step is development of standard and compliance framework followed by the design and secure development considerations one such control framework is cobit by isaca which stands for control objective for information and related technologies cobit prescribes the goals and objectives for security controls and engages the mapping of it security ideas to the business objectives The five objectives of COVID include meeting the stakeholder needs, covering the enterprise end to end, applying single integrated framework, establishing holistic approach and separating governance from management. In a nutshell, the goal of a control framework is to align the security posture with the business interest. In order to do this, it is important to perform due care and due diligence. Due care is using responsible care to protect the organizational interest. Due diligence is practicing efforts that can maintain the due care. In other words, due diligence is gaining all of the required knowledge to perform the responsible due care. Due care is the steps which deals with developing and formalizing a security policy, guidelines or procedures. When we talk about formalizing a secure system it is important to keep some documents into considerations like policies standards procedures guidelines and baselines Talking about the security policies it is the top tier formalization of security it defines the scope of security needed in an organization it also defines the main security objectives along with the security of data in all of the three states which are data at rest data in motion and data in process it should also define why security is important and what assets are valuable to the organization although it is a high level security statement from the senior management sometimes the security policies can also be specific like system specific policies issue specific policies and they can also be categorized as informative regulatory and advisory policies an informative policy is designed to provide information or knowledge about a specific subject like goal or the mission etc the regulatory policy is used whenever the industry or legal standards are applicable to the organization and finally the advisory policy discusses the activities that are acceptable to the organization and the consequences of violating them when we talk about standards standards define the compulsory requirement for the use of a hardware software technology or any other security controls which might contribute in strengthening the security of the organization the standards can be organizational level regulatory or even international depending upon the technology or the type of data being used similar to security standards the baseline define the minimum level of security that an organization should meet all of the system in an organization that do not meet the baseline should be discarded some of the examples of these baseline could be the computer evaluation criteria like tcsec and itsec For further description of detailed security implementation a procedure document is used it is a detailed step by step how to document that describes what security procedures to be done in a certain manner 
it discusses the entire deployment and focuses on a single product or the aspect if all the activities are accomplished by following the detailed procedure then all the procedures should comply with the security policies guidelines and baselines it must be regularly updated to keep up with the technology and the evolving hardware and software each structure of elements of procedures must be separately documented and not as a single document containing multiple elements and structures the separation of document is important since the need to know principle may not allow all of the users to access all the elements of a procedure document the last document on this list is the guideline document which is not enforceable and is a collection of suggested best practices to improve the security posture Moving on to the last topic for this episode which is threat modeling it is the security process for identifying categorizing and analyzing threats threat modeling can be performed as a proactive measure it identifies the potential harm possibility of occurrence priority of concern and means for eradication some use cases of threat modeling can be development and life cycle of applications along with the version changes The goal of threat modeling is to reduce the number of security related design and coding defects along with reducing the severity of any remaining defects. It is important to understand that all threats can't be predicted during the development so reactive approach is used as well. The identification of threats can be of several types. The first one is focused on assets. Within this we attempt to identify the threats on the basis of valued assets. for the assets that hold the data access control can be evaluated to identify the threats the second one is focused on attackers within this we try to identify the potential attackers and thus identify the threats based on the attacker goals a challenge within this approach is that new attackers can appear at any point of time the third type is focused on software software development can also be helpful to identify the potential loopholes while programming the softwares especially web applications it is important to program them well and test them against common vulnerabilities if a threat is identified as an attacker the threat modeling attempts to understand the attacker's motive sometimes the threat can pair with the vulnerability in our systems to identify the potential exploits thus it is useful to refer to a guide while categorizing the threats For example, Microsoft developed a threat categorizing scheme called as Stride. Stride is an acronym which stands for spoofing, tampering, repudiation, information disclosure, denial of service and elevation of privilege attacks. Spoofing is an attack with a goal to gain access to another system by pretending to be someone else. It can be against IP or MAC addresses, username or system names, wireless network IDs or even email IDs. In a similar way, tampering is the action resulting in the changing or tampering of the data whether it is in transit or storage. While repudiation is the ability of a user to deny having performed an action or activity. It can result in an innocent party being blamed for the actions they never did. 
Information disclosure is the revelation or distribution of private information to unauthorized or external parties. It can be done by taking the advantage of a system design or implementation of mistakes in the development phase. It can include things like HTML comments, hidden fields, detailed error messages which could be shown on the web page. A denial of service attack is an attack which is meant to shut down a machine or a network making it inaccessible to its intended users. It can be done by exploiting a flaw, connection overloading or traffic flooding. This attack doesn't necessarily result in a full interruption to a resource. It could instead introduce latency in order to hamper the productivity of the resource. A permanent DOS attack may involve disruption of dataset, replacement of the application code with a malicious code, firewall flush or operations etc. The last one is elevation of privilege. It is an attack where a limited user account can be transformed into an account which is greater in privileges and power of access. This transformation of user access is known as privilege escalation. The goal of this attack is to gain administrative access to the system or the application. Thus, we cover all the attack types of Stride which were described by Microsoft. So this was another short episode in the Get Set CISSP series. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Do share it with your friends and family and do let me know how you feel about this on my LinkedIn.